Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. What will our economy look like after the coronavirus quarantine has left us? Will we bounce back to how we were before, economy booming, most if not all of us fully employed, taking trips, spending money, or will our economy be forever changed? These are questions I keep thinking about over and over. And our guest today, Carrie, an economist and the voice behind Money in Your Tea blog, will answer some of these questions and a lot more. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I'm so excited to announce the launch of the Success with Soul podcast by host Kate Kordsmeyer. You may know Kate from the Six Figure Blog Academy and the popular wellness blog Root and Revel, where she shares all of her holistic online business strategies and soulful marketing advice for heart-centered entrepreneurs who value relationships, mindfulness, 
spirituality, health, and so much more. Whether you're interested in blogging, digital courses, or passive income revenue streams, Kate empowers her tribe to make the dreams of being your own boss and creating a profitable online business a reality without, of course, selling your soul. Success with Soul launches April 16th, and you'll even hear me on a very special COVID-19 bonus episode and a full episode later this summer. Be sure to subscribe to Success with Soul on iTunes or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I'm really fascinated by what's happening in our economy right now. Not that I like any of it, but I think as a money expert, it's really my job to just look around at things and then come back to you with some answers or at least some food for thought so that you can take away from this time as much as humanly possible. There have been 17 recessions in U.S. history, including the horrific Great Depression, But I would say most of our parents, even maybe grandparents, they haven't seen anything or experienced anything like we're experiencing now, staying at home and this global happening right now of the coronavirus and how it is literally changing the world economy. Each recession, each of these 17 recessions, they were marked by some industry or major company going out of business. And the toll on Americans and really people worldwide, let's be honest, could be felt everywhere. People lost land. They lost homes, jobs, of course, money during these times. If anything, I can tell you that as a country and as a world, we did bounce back each of these times, sometimes stronger than before. But history has a way of repeating itself and repeating itself in interesting ways. I think you can even think about your own lifetime. Maybe there is a mistake or a thought pattern or an attitude. I don't even want to call it a mistake, but something that keeps kind of coming up for you, like a theme over and over and over again. And you're like scratching your head saying, why is this happening again? I thought I got rid of this thing. Why is this thing coming up for me again? I know I have so many of those things I could talk about. I've talked about a lot of them on the podcast, but Those are patterns. Those are history patterns that repeat themselves. And we do the same thing out in our economy. After 2009, we saw really like an 11-year bull run in the stock market. If you started investing then, you probably were pretty happy with your account balance until recently, of course. But most experts say that the the Great Recession, that's what 2008-2009 was called, was a lot like the Great Depression, which ran from 1929 until 1938. That's a long time period. It was the biggest economic crisis in U.S. history. Unemployment reached 25% in 1933, which was really high for then, and remained at 19% in 1938. The Great Depression actually ended because of three things— The first was something called the New Deal, which was this economic policy launched by FDR to really help end the Depression. There was also the end of this drought that was called the Dust Bowl, which was the worst drought in like a thousand-year history in the Midwest and, of course, caused a lot of distress on top of the Great Depression. And then there was increased spending for World War II, and all of these things together really worked to get us out of the Great Depression. But if you look back over these 17 recessions, again, you'll notice that many of them, they weren't too far apart from each other. 
In my lifetime, I've seen the 2001 recession, the Great Recession in 2008, 2009, and then whatever the heck we're calling this time now, we're not calling it a recession yet because a recession is when we look back and we go, oh, that we were actually in a recession, but probably a pretty good estimation that we might call this some sort of recession. The Great Recession in 2008-2009 really was – it really shook a lot of people to the core. Maybe you graduated during that time and you had a tough time finding jobs. Maybe you were laid off from your job. Whatever it may be, I'm sure it had a very lasting impression on you. And there's no doubt that this time is going to have an equal, if not more, lasting impression because this has been felt almost everywhere and really around the world. But I wanted to point out that, again, this is how things flow. History repeats itself in new ways, but with some of the same challenges. I want to take a minute and talk about how you can prepare for the inevitable that history is going to repeat itself before we dive into Carrie's expertise. One, I mean, I think you can now see the importance of emergency fund. I'll talk about this more in the Ask Shauna, but an emergency fund is so underrated. I mean, this having one of these has really helped a lot of people. Having some cash set aside that you can dip into has been really helpful. Two, you have to think about what you can control and what you can't control. You cannot control what's going on. If you got laid off, if you can't find basic items in stores, you can't control so many of these things. But what you can control is your mindset. You can control your thoughts and your actions each day and so much more. So focus today on what is in control and let go of all that stuff that is not in your control because you can't do anything about it anyway. So why hang on to it? Use this time to build up your network. My network has been like gold to me. So who do you need to know right now? Who can help give you a little lift once we're all back, we're out of quarantine, life is back. Maybe you want to transition into a new career or maybe you want to start a business. I don't know what it is, but use this time right now because we're all pretty much, of course, at home. And what a great way to connect with people during this time. And lastly, I just want to say, take one thing a day to focus on with your money. Maybe it's your credit score. Maybe it's looking at your spending from last week. Maybe it's calling your credit card companies to try and negotiate a lower interest rate. Take out a piece of paper and create a little vision board for the, for the rest of your year. Just do one little thing and give yourself some permission to do nothing on some days. Just don't do nothing all the days, all right? Okay, let's get to Carrie. She is very interesting. She's got a great background. She's Canadian. You might hear that in some of her words. I love it. And she studied economics in university and worked for several years as an economist before staying home and homeschooling her kids. About four years ago, she started working part-time with an economics association in Canada, organizing events and speakers. And last year, she started her personal finance blog, Money in Your Tea, after many years of being in charge of her family's finances. So she really enjoys sharing what she's learned with others. And I went out a few days ago and asked the Twitter sphere who I should talk to for this episode. And overwhelmingly, I heard Carrie's name. So let's talk 
economics, and let's look at how the 2020 coronavirus will shape our country and our world going forward. Obviously, we are in (laughs) a strange time, uh, a time of a lot of fear, a lot of panic with people. This is global. This is around the world. This isn't just in the United States. You're in Canada, but we're feeling it everywhere. And I think no matter where we are, we're also feeling that financial pinch one way or another or feeling the impact of this globally. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about about the economy, about economics, because you're more of an expert in that than I am. And I I guess just to start out, this is sort of a broad sweeping question, but how will this coronavirus pandemic, how do you see this affecting the global economy and then even maybe the U.S. economy going forward? Are we going to see big changes? Yeah. I mean, as you said, it's really in just about every country around the world. And that's quite different from any kind of recession or economic event that we've had in the past. Um, So it's hard now to say exactly what this will look like. We know it's deep uh, right now with so many companies shutting down and the list of essential services Uh, getting smaller every day, so more and more people will be out of work. Um, But the big question is, how long is that going to last? And we don't really know that at the moment. So so that's a tough thing to answer. But um, we can look at China because we know that they got it first. And so we can see what they did and what has happened. So when we look at um, the economy in China, we know that... um, Uh, their investment in fixed assets was down about 25%, retail sales was down about 20%, and uh, unemployment was up, and GDP growth was down. And so we can expect all of these things to happen here as well. But we're now in early April, and China has not had very many new cases of coronavirus in the past few weeks, and they're starting to open up again. So people are starting to go back to work. Factories are starting to reopen. um, People are starting to go back to stores. And it's slow. And I think we can expect that to happen here as well. Um, But um, it's only April. And they really just started to um, ramp up in January. So it's not that long. And, um, And so I think that's probably what will... Uh, see happen here. So we've already seen unemployment numbers going really high in both Canada and United States and um, other countries around the world. Um, Nobody's shopping, nobody's going on vacation right now. So we're expecting GDP growth, you know, it's probably going to be a recession. But um, once we've licked this thing and we've come out on the other side, um, you know, as long as the jobs are there to go back to, I think we'll see a much faster ramp up back to quote unquote normal than we have from other recessions. And, and talking about recession, a lot of people don't really understand what it what it means to be in a recession. Uh, you see that being thrown out if you watch news, they're talking about recession a lot. Can you explain a little bit like what actually defines a recession and then how would us being in a recession actually impact you like as the individual? 
Well, technically speaking, a recession is generally defined as two quarters or six months of declining GDP growth. That means the economy is shrinking. So um, they put a value on all the goods and services produced. And if it's less than the quarter before, uh, for twice in a row, uh, that's a recession. So, you know, I think we can all see that the economy is shrinking because we're not doing, <laughs> we're not spending what we used to spend on. Um, so, um, so that's kind of the technical definition of a recession. But it also commonly includes several other characteristics like high unemployment, which, of course, we're seeing a loss of consumer confidence. So, you know, the average person, if you say, how confident are you that the economy is doing well right now? Less people are saying uh, that they're confident now than they were a few months ago. Um, Often it's accompanied by a stock market crash, and we've seen that, too. Um, Often there are business failures and personal bankruptcies, and I don't think we're really seeing that yet. Um, And hopefully not. The government's um, in USA and Canada and around the world are really trying to support people with um, programs and support small businesses and large businesses as well in a way that they haven't necessarily in previous recessions. Interesting. And a recession yeah. usually lasts for less than one year. Oh, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yes, yes, very good thing. <laughs> so you talk about like previous recessions, and I think for a lot of us, the previous one that felt obviously most impactful was 2008, 2009, what happened then. How is what we're going through now the same or maybe different than than what we experienced during those years? Well, there's a quote that goes, all happy families are alike, and each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And I kind of feel like that's pretty applicable because um, in economic good times, it's always the same. The economy is growing, real GDP growth is positive, businesses are investing, consumer confidence is strong, employment is high, wages are rising, stock markets are doing well because companies are doing well. So when things are good, it's always that package of things. But the reasons for this recession, if it turns out to be one, and we can only know in retrospect, right? Because, Mm, um, you know, we have to wait for that six months of negative GDP growth before we can say, by the way, that was a recession. Um, So, uh, and we are really only starting to get the data for March now, um, the first week of April or second week of April. So, um, we're still going to have to wait to see whether it really is a recession, but I think it's pretty clear that it will be. Um, but in 2008, the sources of the problems were completely different. So uh, the U.S. had a major problem with subprime mortgages and real estate bubble. Um, in Canada, we have a different banking system, and we didn't have that same issue with the subprime mortgages. But there's a saying hear that when the U.S. sneezes, Canada catches a cold. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe this is the wrong time for <laughs> catching the a analogy. cold joke in coronavirus. But um, anyway, so when the, the 2008 recession happened in the United States, we had a recession in Canada as well. Um, but here with coronavirus, it's really what they call an external shock. So it's a random event that just happened 
It's a negative impact on the economy. It wasn't caused by something that anything that we could control. Um, and before the pandemic, like back in December or January, the underlying economic indicators were doing okay. You know, we were at the end of the business cycle, but it would have been a pretty gentle decline. But COVID-19 has really changed that uh, in ways that we never could have anticipated three months ago. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about these economic indicators. So if I'm you know, maybe I watch the news, I hear some of these terms, but I really want to have a deeper understanding of a, a few things to be looking out for that I can pay attention to, where I can feel really educated about these economic indicators and like what they mean. Can you talk about some of those? Sure. Well, when we talk about a recession, um, we talk about gross domestic product or GDP. So that's the value of a country's goods and services produced in that year. So when GDP rises, that means that we've produced and sold more than the previous year. So um, it's really measuring the health of an economy. It's growing. So that's doing well. You know, we right. always like uh, GDP to be growing. Um, and when they say real GDP, they just mean that there's they take out the impact of inflation because Inflation is about 2%. So we'd expect GDP to be growing at least by 2% because things just cost more, right? So um, real GDP just takes away that inflation influence. And Got so it. you know that it's really increasing. It's not just increasing because prices are higher than last year. Okay, great. Are there, are there any other ones to pay attention to? Well, um, inflation has been talked about a little bit lately. So... Um, it's measured by the Consumer Price Index, which is a representative basket of goods and service that, services that would be typically purchased by people like you and me and all of your listeners. Um, and it's been pretty steady at 2% inflation for quite a long time. And central banks uh, are trying to keep it that way. So when prices start to go up too quickly, then they increase their interest rates and that discourages spending and that kind of keeps inflation from growing too quickly. Now we're starting to see inflation fall uh, pretty quickly because of coronavirus. But there's some concern that inflation could really take off towards the end of the year when uh, the virus is gone and everything's back to, everyone's back to work and um, the government has put so much stimulus in the economy. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about that. Um, I mean, for one thing, the government really doesn't have any other choice than to support <laughs> us through this right now. So uh, I think we'll worry about inflation when that comes. Uh, but there's a lot of room for them to increase interest rates if they really need to, because they're so low right now. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. 
And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Today's Tuesday, and we've got an Ask Shauna from Emily. And Emily says, Hi, Shauna. I love, love, love your podcast. I started listening at the beginning of 2020 when I made a resolution that in the new decade, I was going to stop ignoring my money. Right on, Emily. I'm starting a new job with a higher salary in a few weeks. I negotiated a higher salary thanks to this podcast. Okay, nothing makes me so happy than to hear that. In the next few months, I'll finish paying off $5,000 of high interest credit card debt. Emergency vet bills are expensive. And I'm turning my attention to building my savings to three to six months of living expenses, after which I can save up for a house down payment. Apologies if you've covered this before, but three to six months income seems like a lot to keep in a low interest rate account. I bank in a credit union and the savings dividend rate is 0.05%. So my question is, where is the best place to keep my rainy day fund? I also want to have a few different savings accounts open for vacations, Christmas, and that house down payment to help me meet my goal of trying to pay for items in cash instead of credit. Should I keep them all in my credit union? Thank you in advance and keep up the fantastic work. Emily, this is awesome. I love these stories. I love when you've taken away something from me or from a guest on the show and it's worked. You've applied it in your life because I think that's so powerful for you just from the mindset piece to know that putting out some effort, you can really start to change things with your with your finances, with your career, with your life. So thank you so much for sharing this. This is a good question. And I totally understand the argument of not wanting to keep cash sitting in a low interest vehicle, especially a large amount of cash. However, I will say if you if you look at what we're going through, having some cash that's liquid, meaning you can easily get your hands on it, is a lifesaver for many because we just never know what's going to happen. We just could not have even predicted that this is what we would be living through right now. I think you can look at high-yield savings accounts like Marcus, Barclays, Ally. There are lots of them for high interest rates. They're around like 1.7, 1 1.6%, so obviously higher than your credit union. Every time the Fed lowers interest rates, you're going to notice that your high-yield savings account, that interest rate also goes down a little bit. But it's okay. It's still going to be higher than, than traditional banks, than credit unions. Another idea is to keep like a portion or all of your emergency fund in a Roth IRA if you meet the income restrictions. You can take out your contribution to a Roth without penalties. You just can't take out any of that growth. 
The downside is, of course, if there's a market decline, your value could decline. And so I tend to say, don't put all of your emergency fund in there because it just feels really risky. And the whole idea of an emergency fund is that it's money that's not invested where there's risk attached to it. It's going to be in a lower interest earning type of an account. But I love the idea of multiple savings accounts. I think you're thinking really smartly because it's a great way to keep it all separate so you aren't tempted to dip into certain savings accounts until you hit that goal. And also, you can just visually see when you log in, you can see, oh, here's my house fund. Oh, here's my Christmas fund. Oh, here's my travel fund. And so it's really easy for your brain to kind of add up and go, oh, I'm not quite there to that goal. Or, oh, look, I hit that goal. Maybe I don't need to put any more towards that one. I can put all my extra savings towards these other accounts. So I think visually, it's just such a great way to separate things. This is just basically a long-winded way of saying there's no right way of doing this, Emily. Find a system that works for you. And I'm a fan of looking for a place with a bit higher interest rate than your credit union, but again, only if that feels comfortable for you. If it doesn't stay where you're at, I just want you to understand the concept of high-yield savings and that you can earn a bit more interest. Yeah, it's not huge. The difference between 0.5 and 1.6 is not huge, but it's still extra money. And if we're going to start thinking smart about our money, we need to think about all of these little nuanced elements. Yeah, it might only be an extra 1%, but an extra 1% is more than you have now. So that's the way I like to think about things. But again, I'm just going to wave the caution flag and say, you have to figure out what feels right for you. If you haven't asked Shauna, I would love to hear from you. I do not need to say your name. You can definitely let me know that you want to keep it anonymous. You can head on over to the link in the show notes or over to the podcast hub at mmoneypodcast.com. Right on the homepage, there's a little form for Ask Shauna that you can fill out. And I'm so excited to answer your question. We talk a lot. I mean, we're, we're seeing, I guess I should say, how this pandemic is affecting almost every country around the globe. From like an economic standpoint, how are how are all of these countries like interconnected? So how does having something like this affect maybe all of us on a, a grander economic scale? Well, we really live in a global economy. So um, for Canada, about 80% of our exports and imports well, our exports go to United States and our imports come from United States. So we're wow. really quite dependent on how well America is doing. So if America is not doing very well, then they're not buying Canadian products. And so that affects Canada. And that's um, that happens around the world. So, you know, we all buy things from China and we buy things from India and um, uh, the products that uh, go into our factories come from countries around the world. And so it's possible that we'll see some supply chain disruptions going forward. So, you know, most of Europe and North America is suffering uh, the coronavirus pretty strongly right now. But um, South America and Africa haven't really felt it quite as much as I understand at this point. So it's possible that there are another three months behind us. It's hard to oh, say wow. at this point. Uh, so, you know, the things that we 
as we're coming out of coronavirus and we want to start buying things from other countries, they may not be able to meet that demand. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, really. Um, sure. But there was some uh, discussion a bit about that early on when China was first shutting down. And there were just a few things that North Americans were no longer able to get as quickly from China. So we may see those kinds of disruptions for a while. So I just have one question. In Canada, are you able to buy toilet paper? (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty hard to find, actually. So maybe that is that is a global uh, global supply chain reaction that we're all that we're all feeling. I think we all know now the things that we should invest in, (laughs) the companies to invest in, because we're we're scrounging at the grocery stores trying to find those things. Yeah, I actually heard something the other day that um, there's two different toilet paper streams because there's the institutional kind, you know, that you see at schools and. That nobody really wants to use. <laughs> and they don't sell that in the grocery store. And you can, couldn't put that on your roll anyways, because it's like 12 inches big. So um, so that stuff is just sitting in warehouses somewhere and nobody's buying it because nobody's at the office using it. Uh, but all the stuff for the home market uh, is quite sold out right now. Interesting. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your journey into, into personal finance and into economics. Sure. Uh, I took an economics degree in university uh, way back and, um, and did my master's in economics. And then uh, I worked as an economist for several years. And then after my children were born, I decided to stay home and homeschool them. And, you know, and they've been getting older. My eldest just turned 20 this week. So that's kind of crazy. Um, and, uh, Anyway, so a few years ago, I was um, looking for a little bit more uh, to do and, you know, to get kind of back into the industry. So um, the last few years, I've had a couple of contract positions working for um, uh, some economic organizations. So uh, I do that. And, but that's very part time uh, and working from home, fortunately. So I'm still working. And, um, and then last year I decided to start a personal finance blog called Money in Your Tea. And uh, I've always been interested in personal finances. I keep track of our family's finances and uh, our investments and things like that. And uh, so I thought this would be a way that I could um, in part share what uh, I've learned with other people, but also I found much to my surprise that I've been learning so much myself just by having to um, collect my thoughts in a way that would make it clear and organized for other people to read and, uh, and learning from other people in the personal finance sphere as well. I love that. And I'm just kind of curious because you kind of have your feet in, in both worlds there. How does learning even just a beginner level about economics, how can that help you with your personal finances? Um, I think economics is really uh, the study of how uh, individuals and businesses and governments make choices. So allocating your limited resources. So um, 
as a family, we have a certain amount of income and we have to choose what we want to spend on our wants and needs and also saving and investing for the future. So um, we can't have everything we want. So we make the choices that make us happy, happiest. And that's, that's kind of a crossover really between economics and uh, personal finance. Whether you think about that on the small scale of your own family household, or whether you're thinking about it on the large scale of um, uh, companies and governments and countries. Interesting. Yeah, I like that analogy. Well, I'm I'm curious if something comes to mind because I I like to focus on some sort of action step that someone can take. Listening to this, do you have? one, two, three, whatever it might be, list of a couple of things that you think somebody could do right now to get themselves in maybe the best financial situation possible going forward, given this economic climate and all of the uncertainties that we're in. Are there a couple of things that maybe somebody could focus on or or think about right now? I think there are probably at least two or three different experiences that people are having right now. So I always worked from home and I'm still working from home. And my husband uh, has an office job and he's now working from home. So, um, you know, our income hasn't really been affected. It's just the location of where he's working. Um, And the fact that our kids are now home 24 (laughs) seven. So, I mean, a little change, but for people who have lost their job, This is an entirely different experience where they have no money coming in. They have all the time in the world, but they can't do anything. Um, And then there's the people who are on the front lines. So, you know, their kids are at home, but they're still going to work in grocery stores and hospitals and uh, all the other essential services. And, you know, and those three groups really have a very different experience right now and very different um, stresses financially and otherwise. Um, But um, I guess for people who are still working, um, your finances may not have been as affected. um, And so, you know, it's just kind of a regular um, spend less than you make and put some away for the future. But if you are in like a financial crisis right now, then you really have to do everything possible to either delay what you have to pay or um, reduce what you have to pay. So uh, talk to your bank about delaying your mortgage or your landlord about delaying your rent. We have two renters that live in our basement and uh, we had to conversations with both of them about being able to pay partial rent or, you know, make it up whenever, you know, um, and, um, and what can you cut in terms of spending? So, uh, I mean, if you're home 24 seven, this maybe isn't the time to cut cable because, you know, you might be kind <laughs> of dependent on cable right now, but maybe there's something else that you can, uh, look at your regular bills. So cancel the gym membership because you're not going anyway and um, pick up a jug of milk for hand weights or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Be creative. Yeah. So really go through your, um, your bank statement and your credit card statement and see where can 
uh, you cut things even temporarily to try and just get through this period. Funny story. So Carrie's grandma used to pour tea in these little Royal Dalton teacups, and it collects these little bubbles in the center of your tea. And her grandma used to say, oh, you have money in your tea. And then you scoop out these little bubbles. So Carrie thought, why not name her blog Money in Your Tea to cover all things personal finance? If you want to find Carrie, head on over to moneyinyourtea.com. On this podcast, we are changing the language around money to help others unlock the lives they want to live. Now, you, you're a part of that movement, and it's up to all of us to invite others into this journey. So share this episode with someone that you think needs to hear this message today. Invite them in so we can all talk about money in just a fun, fresh, and hopefully new way. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the behind the scenes on today's episode, make sure to check out the show notes. You can find all our episodes at mmoneypodcast.com. If you love this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.